Welcome to the Big Fundamental Podcast, a Ken's Five podcast on the San Antonio Spurs and NBA basketball. I'm Jackson Floyd and Evan Klosky. This week, we're probably going to be leaning a little bit more towards the NBA basketball side of things mm-hmm. uh, in the wake of Kobe Bryant's death. Yeah, it's it's been a really tough week. Uh, just for those who love the game of basketball, for those who don't even care about the game of basketball, I think that everyone can sort of relate to the pain that the Bryan family's having, that the other uh, victim families are having after the helicopter crash. Uh, it was just one of those moments where you're always going to remember where you were, when you heard it. Uh, it's up there as far as one of the most shocking deaths in our lifetime. For oh, sure. I completely agree. And Evan, both you and I were here working mm-hmm. uh, and just following the news as it unfolded that mm-hmm. day. Um, but working because the Spurs were playing that, yeah. that afternoon against the, the Toronto Raptors. Uh, over the last four games here, the Spurs went one and three. Mm-hmm. Um, the, there's the game with the Suns. Um, terrible second quarter kind of put that one away pretty mm-hmm. early there. Um, I, I believe you were saying before we started, 18-0 run for the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, there. yeah, the Phoenix Suns had an 18-0 run in that game, and that really dug San Antonio a hole. It was a game where anybody could have won it, and when you look back to it, uh, I mean, the Spurs, I think, gave up 103 in that kind. They lost 103 to 99, and they gave up an 18-0 run. That's a game they should have won, and they just, they had five threes in the game. They just didn't have a good game. I mean, leaving that game was just sort of, look, in in the NBA, that's going to happen sometimes. Just not going to, the shots aren't going to fall, and they lost because of it yeah and on the other side Devin Booker was amazing that game unbelievable look Devin Booker every time in that game San Antonio tied it up or was down by one uh Booker smashes a a three or a long fadeaway 35 points in that game unbelievable effort from Devin Booker and sometimes you just have to tip your cap to unbelievable players and that's what Devin Booker did he actually fouled out at the end and you thought Okay. There's a chance here. San Antonio's yeah. going to take advantage of that, and they just couldn't hit a big shot in that yeah. game. They just couldn't come away with that one big bucket. Every time they got there, tied it up, they couldn't get the big stop, or then you have the Bryn travel, Bryn missing an open three, hmm. Bryn missing another open three, Patty missing an open three. I mean, the looks were there. Yeah. They just couldn't they just couldn't get they couldn't get it done. So it happens and uh, you just move on. It stinks. Yeah. But I mean, they ran into another kind of transcendent performance in the next game, too. Uh, Pascal Siakam kind of taking over that first half of the Raptors game. Of course, the Spurs felt a little off their game. That's coming an hour after mm. the Kobe Bryant news unfolded and uh, trying to deal with that and play a game at the same time. Um, had some issues there. But they made a mm. nice run in the second half to kind of make it a game again. Um, I believe they put Derek White on Pascal Siakam in that game. Mm-hmm. And that kind of changed a few things there for the Spurs there. But again, yeah, fall to the Raptors there. Yeah, that was a weird day. And, uh, you know, we, it was on Kent's 5 that game. So we actually didn't have an early show. And you're thinking it's going to be a fairly easy day at the yeah. office. You'll be able to watch the game and just go from there and, and build around that. And then the news of, of Kobe's death comes around two, you know, one to two hours before yeah. that contest. We don't know if the NBA is going to have games. They end up keeping the games the way they are, uh, which we can talk about a little yeah. later. Of right move, wrong move. We'll get into that uh, a little bit later. But then uh, – the game started out both teams with the the great ode to Kobe with the twenty four shot clock violations. Yeah. Uh, that was awesome. We had amazing images from that contest of Sean Elliott crying before the game. You had Popovich consoling Demar Derozan. Yeah. You had the coaches crying. I mean, Becky and Tim were in tears. Both who 
have connections to Kobe Bryant. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, Duncan not only played against Kobe Bryant for decades, but they were kind of like neck and neck in terms of faces of their franchises and faces of the NBA at the time. And then Becky Hammond had mm-hmm. a connection with Kobe Bryant, uh, kind of got to know each other through All-Star games and mm-hmm. Kobe being the advocate for the women's game that he is. Um, you could tell they were both very personally affected by, by the loss during the game. Yeah, and, and Tim and Kobe, their careers ran simultaneously. Yeah. You know, both of them are going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. We know Kobe will be inducted. Yeah. Uh, Tim, we assume. Likely right? a lot, So yeah. it's going to be an emotional scene there yeah. in Springfield in late August. But, uh, yeah, I mean, those are two guys who battled constantly, and it's one of those things where, you know, without Kobe, the Spurs maybe win more championships, and without the Spurs, maybe Kobe has a couple yeah. more championships. So, uh, But going back to the game very yeah. quickly, uh, the beginning of the contest was just who could shoot better. Nobody was being the aggressor. Uh, nobody was playing tough defense. It really just came down to who's going to hit the open looks because the players really weren't feeling it in the yeah. first quarter. And Toronto was smashing the Spurs on their shots, and San Antonio couldn't hit much. Toronto goes up 19 in the first quarter, and slowly but surely, the Spurs piece it together just like they did in Toronto. They overcome this monster deficit. Of course, they had more time to do it this time. They actually go up nine in the fourth quarter, and then they just watched that lead dwindle away, and they couldn't recover. And one of those situations again where it came down to the fourth quarter, stepping up, closing the contest, and they just kind of let it slip away. I can't tell you how many games the Spurs have lost there at the end, how many games they've played to the end. Uh, I think I saw a stat yesterday that they're second in the league with games decided by five. They're 10-9 and nine in, that, in that span. Uh, I think the Kings are the only group that's played more with 22. Uh, but, I mean, that doesn't account for games like last night as well, which didn't, uh, I'm referring to the game against the Jazz, that game was decided by seven, but for all intents and purposes came down to some stops and some buckets late. So uh, we can't even begin to start talking about those games. Yeah. So this team just lives on the edge, and sometimes you're going to win them, and sometimes you're going to lose them, and you know, uh, just couldn't break their way against the Raptors. You've brought it up in the podcast before. The Spurs team isn't built to blow anyone out. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to be a grinder team, kind of like those early Memphis 2010 yep. teams. Um, and that's just kind of how they win or lose. And that's reflected, like you said, the second mm-hmm. most games decided by five points there. And uh, I do want to mention yeah. in that Raptors game, uh, somewhere, LaMarcus injures his thumb. He's got a sprained, sprained thumb, which at this point in time, he's missed the last two games. Um, so... Yeah, I don't know what's going on with that, but also, uh, you know, DeMar DeRozan, look, Toronto's got a great game plan against DeMar. They did that in the first half when they were uh, in Toronto, but you can tell that day really affected him. 14 points. He still had seven assists and six rebounds. Aldridge just had 10 and 10. Uh, Nobody was being the aggressor, which I think ended up hurting this team. And the fact that they still made it close and came back was was very admirable of them. 
Yeah, like you said, I mean, at some point in time, we don't know when. I think we were both talking before the podcast. We don't remember seeing when Aldridge sprained his thumb. Um, But the news comes out the next day that he's going to miss the game in the Bulls. It's Mm -hmm. back-to-back there. They go to Chicago. Um, It was the Bulls' first game since uh, the Kobe news came out. And Mm -hmm. you can tell they were kind of fired up on that news there. And um, uh, I think the Spurs, there were some some good good signs of of life in that game there. DeMar DeRozan had his second-highest scoring total of the year. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just comes down to just being one man short, I think, in that game. Yeah, and and we can get into this a little bit with the Jazz as well. But when you lose Lamar, it completely changes the team. We have been talking the last few podcasts about how the offense looks so much better with LaMarcus spreading the floor or spacing the floor and then DeMar attacking, kicking out, and working that realm. But when you don't have LaMarcus, that you don't build seven-footers who can hit threes at such an efficient clip. So when you remove that, pack the paint. That's yeah. all they're going to do is pack the paint. And when guys like Bryn Forbes aren't hitting threes, uh, you know, Patty did his job in Chicago. Yeah. But when you're not hitting threes and forcing them to range out, I mean, it's remarkable that DeMar had the game that he did, but those are tough points to come by. They're not as easy when LaMarcus is out there. And ultimately in that game, you had a tremendous performance from DeMar, especially late in that fourth quarter. You had a tremendous performance from Pirtle. Uh, He was all over the place. 16 points, 13 rebounds. He added a handful of blocks as well. Unbelievable performance from him. Patty was lights out from deep. After that, I mean, White was great defensively, elite defensively, zero points. And, you know, it's, it's, it's wonderful that we can talk about his defense. Defense travels, we know that. But, yeah. Derek, I need you to shoot more than three times. Yeah. I need, especially especially if, with LaMarcus is out. And especially if Forbes is going to not hit anything. If, if Murray's going to have the game, between Forbes and Murray, two points. You know, that's, that's not going to win you a game. Yeah, and that's the same thing. Murray just wasn't there in that game, and that's a problem. When you start, when you remove your, your second best player, the people behind have to step up. Yeah. You know, so that's why... Derek and DeJounte, we don't need to talk about their defense. That will most likely always be there night after night. But I need you to score a little bit. I need you to chip in more than you should normally. And those guys really didn't show up. But again, it comes down to one of those fourth quarter blow-ups. And in the fourth quarter, they lost 35-24. to 24. And you just – I mean, the, the – in the third, they won 37-25, yeah. and then it just completely flipped it on its head, and they just let it slip away. It, the inconsistencies were, were so there uh, against the Bulls. You, you, you score 28, you score 20. You score 37, you score 24. All that being said, though, there was still a chance to tie the game with .6 seconds left. Yeah. A couple weird whistles, you know, you know, was there a foul? Was Zach Lefine foul on the other end? Mm-hmm. Was DeMar DeRozan foul on the other end? I think both fan bases, both teams make their cases as to why those whistles are blown. DeMar DeRozan goes one for two. He misses that game-tying free mm-hmm. throw there. Is it fair to blame him? No, because you wouldn't have even been in that position. I mean, DeMar brought them back. Yeah. So DeMar hit a, a, a jumper on the previous possessions and I mean he took over that game late it was really just him willing the group back to a tie and after they had this big lead they blew it all and then it was like up this game's over and then DeMar brings him back Uh, it's so easy to blame somebody for the immediate loss but when you remove that person it's so unfair because you're not even in that position without him you know in that game I really uh, more upset at the refs, and yeah. I don't like to blame the refs, but it was a very inconsistent game from them. And then the Zach Levine foul was completely 
weak. Yeah. And on the other end, they give the Spurs back the same foul, which was also weak. Yeah. Both of them were not fouls. But instead, now we had a free throw sh- contest to win the game. Credit Zach Levine for hitting both of his. And, and DeMar, an 85 86% free throw sh- shooter, just yipped the second yeah. one. And... I think, and I had to look back, when I watched the replay, it looked like the putback would have counted. Yeah, an amazing effort for him just to give that shot a chance. You know? Yeah, I like literally I thought he was going to win the game there because I was like, oh, no way that went off. And then when they showed the replay, I was like, wow, that actually would have counted. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, come on. It, it, I'm never one to kind of blame the end result. I'm always one to look at the bigger yeah. picture. And there were so many deficiencies across the board. I mean... Too many people didn't show up. So as is the Spurs' way, when they lose against a team that arguably may be worse than them, (laughs) they come back out the next game and, of course, play the Jazz, a team that's remarkably better than them in terms of record. Uh, They're a team that's going to compete maybe for an NBA Finals place here. And, of course, the Spurs beat them. Yeah. uh, When LaMarcus was ruled out again, I tweeted something along the lines of like, well, tomorrow's going to be rough. And, and, And they pulled it together. I mean, but... I think it's a little bit of fool's gold. Yeah. Um, again, LaMarcus did not play. What happens when LaMarcus doesn't play is you don't have as many three-pointers. You don't have that look. The starting unit, one three-pointer. That's not going to cut it on a night-to-night basis. Yeah. You are not going to shoot, uh, what was it, Fifty? How much? 56% from the field. And to explain that a little bit, Utah's defensive game plan is force you off the three-point line, force you out of the paint. The Spurs are one of the few teams in the NBA who don't mind living in the mid-range, especially without LaMarcus on the court. They're pretty much like last year. Or, sorry, this win was a 2018-2019 Spurs win. Yeah. We're just going to crush you from the mid-range. We've talked about it. You know, there, there is something about zigging while other teams are zagging. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be the team that thrives in the mid-range, you're going to win games like this sometimes. Yeah, so this was um, a perfect ode to last yeah. year a little <laughs> bit as they just completely annihilated the Jazz from the field. They shot 64% in the first half, 56% for the game. You win 127 to 120. Again, the defense, not outstanding, but again, the Jazz are an unbelievable team. So it is what it is. I mean, just, I mean, I I don't know how many times the Spurs are going to be able to do that again. And everybody really contributed in that win. Uh, DeJounte played an amazing game, I thought, for the Spurs. DeRozan, 38 points. Uh, Here is a great stat for you on DeRozan, by the way. Uh, So during his time with the Spurs, so two seasons, DeMar has scored 35 points without attempting a three-pointer six times. The rest of the NBA during that time period, six times. (laughs) <laughs> has matched that. So, I mean, it shows you where the game is right now yeah. and just how elite DeMar is without utilizing a three-pointer yeah. in his arsenal. It, 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 without even thinking about the three-pointer uh, is just is just silly. So a weird anomaly, too, is that this season when DeMar DeRozan scores 30 points before this Jazz game, they're 1-7. Eight games <laughs> it's happened, 1-7 when DeMar finishes 30 points. It's 2-7 now because they yeah. won against the Jazz mm-hmm. when he had 38 points. But it, it, it's not really the recipe for winning if DeMar is the guy being the engine there. We talk about he, him as a distributor, him as a playmaker, kind of opening things up for other people. When he puts it on his back, it normally doesn't work out, worked out here. Um, I, I think something else uh, that kind of played into their favor is you wouldn't expect it to work, but Jakob Pertl, Chemezi Metu, there's a little bit of foul trouble there trying to guard Rudy Gobert. So the Spurs have to go incredibly small, bring in Rudy Gay to be mm-hmm. that center, that five piece. Uh, 
it kind of opened things up in the way that LaMarcus does, except Rudy Gay wasn't hitting his three-pointers, mm-hmm. but just having that smaller guy out there who can shoot a three, or at least will take threes, kind of yeah. spreads the floor. And it works especially if the Jazz isn't going to use, they're not going to use Rudy Gobert on the offensive side. Mm-hmm. He wasn't taking shots for whatever reason when Rudy Gay was on him. There were times Derek White was guarding him. And, you know, just give it to Rudy Gobert and let him post up. But they didn't you, do that. It worked out in the Spurs' favor. Yeah, welcome to the modern NBA. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't get that, but you were right. Rudy Gay over over six in that game, and uh, man, yeah, I just wish that Bryn Forbes would start hitting threes again. You know, we, every t- I want to get back into harassing him, and then maybe yeah. he'll uh, he'll go off for seven or eight again. Uh, but you did, you mentioned something there. But maybe it was DeRozan. I'm trying to the, uh, the thirty points anomaly being the engine, the the driver of yeah, these teams so, here. Yeah, usually I guess when he puts the team on his back a little bit, you're sacrificing. Yeah something for the greater good but when you don't have LaMarcus that's sort of going to be the case so now he's going to have to put the team on his back oh and uh and Mezzi the last couple of games because of LaMarcus's injury we have gotten a really good look at Chemezi Metu playing in legitimate minutes in a contest one super athletic which we knew two looks lost at times three uh I don't know if he can bang with the big boys as much you know, I kind of feel like he's a, a Trey Lyles. Yeah. He's hesitant out there. He's, he's playing a little scared. I, he can shoot. I see all these clips from the G League. He can shoot three-pointers. I need him to start, hey, you're playing? Show me your best shot. Yeah. Don't be afraid to mess up. You're in the game for a reason. So I think he's a little hesitant out there. Obviously, I like a little bit what I'm seeing. Yeah. But he does seem like he doesn't know where he's going half the time. Uh, and then yeah. every time you're thinking, ooh, this isn't working, then he does like some like ridiculous play. You're like, okay, he, he's got some promise there. It, there's promise. He might still be a little more raw than you want at this yeah. point in time. But um, like like all these guys playing in the G League, that's what those reps are for. You know, mm-hmm. Hopefully he can put it together. Like you're saying, step out and take that three that he's hit in the G League mm-hmm. there. Uh, he wasn't doing this game. Uh, just looking back at the last four games, I know it was a one and three stretch. There were some things to take away from that. We mentioned DeRozan, 38-36. Those are his two highest scoring performances of the year. Kind of expected without Aldridge there. White... Proving he's a defensive stud, needs to put it together on the offensive side there. Patty Mills has continued to be transcendent. Uh, and then Jakob Pertl, uh, two or more blocks now in 10 straight games. Uh, that's the second longest streak in Spurs history. Uh, he's, a, he's a block party. He's, a, he's an animal down there. So, uh, <laughs> the block lobster. The block lobster. <laughs> you, you see the Pertl jam, and yeah, now he's the block lobster. So, yeah, he's got it all going on. So. Uh, just uh, an interesting week of basketball for the Spurs. And all of that kind of overshadowed by the mm-hmm. Kobe Bryant news. Um, so let's let's kind of look back on that. Um, yeah. And just like you mentioned, one of the most weird is a, a weird way to describe it, but a weird day, a shocking day uh, in NBA history and just in sports history as well. Yeah, it really consumed all of us. Yeah. And I'll say this. Uh, I was listening to uh, Rosillo's podcast and he, he's one of my favorites to listen to. And, and he had a, a great point saying that, you know, on social media and on Twitter, we can be a ruthless bunch, just zero soul at all. But when it comes to compassion as a country, we actually have a really big heart and, yeah. and we really come through uh, when we want to as well. So there is a bit of that yin and yang of just you can see the worst of Twitter, and then you can see the best of people on Twitter. Um, you know, there was, of course, a, a 
a crazy litany of reports coming out immediately when that all happened. We're just trying to figure out what's going down. We have misreports of the whole family on it. Then, you know, we learn Gigi's on there. And, yeah. uh, you know, it went from five people to nine. So, I mean, it was really just sort of an avalanche of emotions because we know it's bad. We're trying to figure out as humans is this real oh it is real and then we're picking up facts and it's sort of being flung at us left and right and a little bit sloppily and um sometimes that happens in the, in the world uh especially in reporting and whatnot yeah uh, but overall uh you know going back to the compassionate side i think there are, are some amazing writers and talents in this world who utilize their expertise and experiences with Kobe and whether it's former players, the special they did on TNT, everyone chipping in as a country, as as a news organization, as a human being to grieve this process and come to grips with it. And we have seen just tremendous works, hilarious stories, tears. Uh, We're all doing this together. Yeah, it's been one of those moments that it's been mentioned by people who are better at this than I am Mm -hmm. that it brought everyone together. Mm -hmm. You know, it's there's there's very few things in a very polarizing world that people can unite behind. Mm -hmm. And this has been one of those things. Remembering Kobe Bryant again, you do have to remember that he is uh, he has been uh, accused and admitted to sexual assault Mm -hmm. and and being a sexual abuser. That's part of his legacy. But the stories that come from his life after that, what he did Mm -hmm. with his life after that, have been so moving. They've inspired a a girl dad trend as. Mm -hmm. This kind of movement takes off uh, based on stories that came out of him as a sports father, watching his daughter grow, her dreams, her aspirations of being a player, also being recognized here Mm -hmm. uh, in the tributes. Um, You mentioned some of the writers. I just want to shout out Shea Serrano, Mm -hmm. San Antonio in here, put together an amazing piece for The Ringer, Mm -hmm. uh, just a moving one. And he linked to a handful of great stories Mm -hmm. about Kobe Bryant as well. So if you want to find more reading out there, there's plenty of stuff out there on the Internet, uh, Mm -hmm. great eulogies, great obituaries, um, just just remembering who Kobe Bryant was. Yeah, and I think uh, one of the lines that resonated with me the most, uh, and it refers back to the um, sexual assault allegations that he did admit to back in 2003 and 2004, is that you can still grieve an imperfect person. Yeah. And I think that's the most important thing to realize is that no one is omitting that from his resume. No one's looking past that. But it's also relevant to understand why it's sad and and that's not necessarily the the defining point of Kobe Bryant it is something that has to be recognized but there are a lot of good things that he did especially in the sport off the court as well and you can grieve imperfection Uh, so I think that's one of the largest things that we can learn about compassion as well yeah. is, is is doing that. So um, that really resonated with me when trying to figure out how we think and how we're supposed to process this all. And that one hit home to me. I think so. And you could clearly tell, like we mentioned in that Raptors game, there were several Spurs going through that grieving process mm-hmm. in the moment. Uh, that The Spurs game was scheduled for 3 o'clock. The Kobe Bryant news kind of broke around 145 mm-hmm. uh, as it kind of pulled out, spiraled out. Um, you, like you mentioned, there are crazy things going around on Twitter. Um, clearly, these players were learning in the moments just an hour before the game going on. And the game did go on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we've talked about it off mic, but it was the right thing to do. Yeah, and there's a difference I think between what was happening in LA versus the league as a whole if and I don't want to speak on behalf I just hear from stories of everybody else 
if we know the Mamba mentality, if we know Kobe Bryant, the competitor he he was, you'd be hard-pressed to think that he did not want the games to be yeah. played. I mean, there's no better way to honor a guy like Kobe Bryant than going out there, giving it your best shot, and doing what you can, uh, especially with heavy hearts. Uh, you know, it's going to be hard to do, but you just you go out there and, and, and you do it. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of players have said, and I think Carmelo Anthony, you know, and it's okay for a guy like Kyrie who, who I mean, that was like an older brother to him who, yeah. who did not want to play. People grieve in different ways. Yeah. And no coaches out there were like, well, I'm going to say no to that. Everyone was given a choice. Can you play? Can you not? We're going to go through this together. Kyrie didn't want to play immediately, yeah. and that was his choice, and he's allowed to do that. Carmelo said... You know, knowing Kobe, he would have wanted me out there. He would have been mad if I didn't, and and that's okay for him too. There's no need to contradict what one person does with another. It's just everything is such a unique experience for one individual, and and some people can do one thing while others cannot, and some process one way versus another. So uh, I, I do think that it was the right call to move forward, yeah. And I think it was the right call also to cancel or i should say to postpone the game in la lakers against clippers and one it's an easy game to reschedule they'll be able to do that they, they're in the same city two the staples center is pretty much a makeshift memorial right now yeah. traffic is nuts the amount of people going there are continue to be droves and droves you don't want to kind of distract away from all the amazing things that are going on. I mean, Quinn Cook was even amongst all the people out yeah. there. And, um, you know, you really want to give a lot of time, even more so not for the players, but for the organization, the Lakers organization, because from the owner down to some of the, the workers who, who um, you know, security or concession stands that have worked there for 30-plus years yeah. who have had a relationship, I mean, it's tough to force them to go back to work when th- – Kobe was a part of their lives for for two decades, two plus decades. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, the the relationships he would have formed in the decades there mm-hmm. go deeper beyond his teammates, and mm-hmm. and obviously none of the guys on this Laker teams were Kobe's teammates. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the staff members, the organization, the front office these are several dozen people who would have interacted with Kobe Bryant. So the right call to do that. Uh, it, I just I thought it was so moving in the day of, in the day after. We're still seeing league white tributes come in. You mentioned the shot clock mm-hmm. violations, that twenty four second violation. Some teams are taking the eight second backcourt violation violation in honor of number eight there uh the nets last night had two seats reserved for kobe and Gigi, mm-hmm. where they sat last time they were in the building there um one of the things we're seeing across the board here players are voluntarily retiring the numbers 24 mm-hmm. and, and number eight or finding ways to recognize uh yeah. the kobe and the, the numbers quinn cook for instance was number two uh and that was Gigi's number mm-hmm. so he is now 26 combining the 24 and two and playing in honor of them mm-hmm. Um, you saw players like Joel Embiid come out and play in the number 24 mm-hmm. the night after. Uh, I, I believe it was the Denver Nuggets, who or the Detroit Pistons, all wore the number 24 mm-hmm. jersey during the national anthem there. Just a, yeah. a wide Trey Young out. came out and played with number eight. And um, you know, a lot of players have changed their jerseys. Yeah. Uh, Patty Mills, who wears number eight for the Spurs, has come out and said he will not change his number. And in his belief, he says that he's going to honor Kobe with the number. He understands... Other people's don't want. Other people don't want to wear the numbers right. as a way to honor. He looks at it a different way. That I'm going to honor him 
and this number by playing the best that I can, the hardest I can, and that that's his right. That's yeah. how he can choose to go about that. It's a hundred percent totally fine that he's wearing number eight. Yeah, he can grieve and celebrate Kobe in mm-hmm. the way that he wants to. Exactly, the way he believes uh, he knows Kobe better than any fan mm-hmm. knows Kobe. So any fan who's kind of reticent or kind of against him doing mm-hmm. that, you know, they're in the wrong in that situation. Yeah, yeah. There, uh, just. Yeah, watching the, the the former players join Twitter, uh, uh, some of the former Spurs players like Tony Parker was really shaken by this. Mm-hmm. He's still to this day kind of finding memories that he has with mm-hmm. Kobe Bryant. Um, Pau Gasol, I saw. I mean, we're how many days out? I mean, four, five days after yeah. Pau Gasol had another tweet today, he's like, "I'm still struggling." Yeah, and that, you know, it's it's great to see that because. You're allowed to be vulnerable. I think that's the hardest thing in life to figure out. I know that's one of my biggest weaknesses is to be vulnerable, say that you're hurting, and to allow the world to give you a big hug sometimes. And as I said, you know, we are a compassionate bunch. And we can come through and, and help out when you're hurting. And so. Yeah, it was just a testament to to, to his legacy. Watching mm-hmm. just this this world of players come together and fans and and owners and former players and just people who are moved by him. Uh, the stories that you didn't hear when he retired and things he did off the court, the charitable actions he did. Mm-hmm. You see a lot of things about that coming out. Um, his legacy, though, is what remains. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and part of that you mentioned was mama mentality. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought you did a great job, of just a really moving job Sunday in the, in the aftermath of all mm-hmm. this, kind of summing up what mama mentality mm-hmm. was. Uh, and just the, the, the effort that went into that, the living every day, like yeah. it's your last kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's kind of be his legacy, is how people live in that mama mentality. Yeah. Uh, you know, Sunday was uh, a, a really weird and tough day of work, trying to figure out how we're going to cover this. And... We did not have a 5.30 show, as I mentioned, yeah. so everything was building up to after the Grammys. So, and the Grammys had to redo all their things, and obviously it's in a Staples Center, yeah. too. So, so many tributes that night in yeah. honor of him. And uh, so, you know, we're building together everything that we've heard from DeMar and Popovich after the game yeah. and all the what the other players in the league have done to, to honor Kobe. And we're also still trying to gather information and provide that information to the viewer of what we know um and then also uh towards the end of the show doing something where what was the the top thing on my mind when thinking about this death why is kobe's death resonating so much with everyone why does it hurt so much and i think the the biggest thing is when you lose someone you have to always extract the number one thing that the biggest strength that he or she has provided to other people. And when you think back to Kobe and the iconic static that he had for our generation, he was Michael Jordan in a sense, you know, yeah. for a younger generation, we're kind of in, in between where we, we get Kobe and LeBron at the same time. Yeah. Younger generations who are probably, you know, eight to 14, they're all going to talk about LeBron when they get older. They, they kind of miss the whole Kobe thing. But the reason why, MJ and Kobe stand out, and uh, LeBron's a, a LeBron's a freak in his own right on the basketball court. I think it's a little bit different when it comes to that Mamba mentality, that competitor. You hear all the stories about uh, when his first playoff series against the Jazz, when he airballed a bunch of shots, he goes to the gym for hours and hours and refuses to allow his body to get yeah. tired again. That was the way that he was trained: was that if I'm going to do something, I'm going to be the best at it. And even after retirement, you know, when he was trying to figure out what am I going to do in my post-basketball career life, everything he put 100% 
effort into and whether that's coaching his daughter, uh, whether that's, you know, the the movie he wins an Oscar for, whatever it might be, he was giving 100%. And I think that when we think about Mamba mentality, it was never something that was for him, that only Kobe can do. That was something that we can do. And that's something that we need to understand of when it comes to living in this world that we don't know when the next day is going to be gone, essentially. Yeah. You know, sometimes the world is left to luck in our hands. You know, sometimes we have a, we can brace for loss. Uh, sometimes we don't know it's coming tomorrow. Either way, you just have to live your life with the mom mentality, which is whatever I'm doing, I'm going to give it my best. And whether that's loving my family the most, whether that's putting everything I have into this job, if you do all that, when that day comes, you, you did everything you could do in lifetime. You, you can't control what you can't control and you can't foresee the future. So I just think extracting the mom mentality and living that way is the way that he lives on forever. And I think that's the way that we can leave this world and, yeah. and be happy knowing that we did the thing correctly. It's funny you mentioned the, the kind of the, the players in terms of how like who we grew up with and who mm-hmm. we remember and things like that. This isn't a place or time to try to rank players, you know, where does mm-hmm. Kobe fit in yeah. with MJ and Le- LeBron James, things like that. But I do think that globally, Kobe Bryant might be the globally the most influential player we've seen mm-hmm. to this day. I think there are players playing now who have the potential to be more globally influential mm-hmm. uh, in terms of talking about Giannis or Luka mm-hmm. Doncic, or even Steph Curry, depending on how the second half of the, mm-hmm. the, the back end of his career goes here. Um, but just the people he reached, uh, he was a global person as well, you know, spoke several languages. There's stories from Pau Gasol, mm-hmm. he only communicated to Pau in Spanish, mm-hmm. uh, even, you know, as Luka was playing this year and Kobe sitting behind him, speaking to him and uh, Latvian. Um, in Slovenia, just, I think. Slovenian, yeah, um, just uh, just a, a global player, um, and I think that 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 that's kind of one of the reasons why we see so many players reacting the way it is. This is the generation that he inspired uh, on the court, but also just off. If you look at recreational leagues, if you look at you know the the playground games and things like that, everyone's trying to be Kobe. You know, everyone's shooting like Kobe. That was mm-hmm. the thing that was everyone doing. And just, it, I mean, this is a, a silly point to bring up too, but just when you crumble up that piece of paper and throw it in the wastebasket, you know, saying yeah. Kobe, that's that's kind of the thing there. Just his influence goes, reaches so on, uh, so beyond here. Uh, just a, a quick personal story here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm a San Antonio transplant. Uh, I was born in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. I only lived there for two years. It didn't define my life. Mm-hmm. But in middle school, what I latched onto was my Californian, you know, mm-hmm. growing up in middle school, uh, it was the Red Hot Chili Peppers and it was the Kobe mm-hmm. Lakers. Uh, and that was the, the run they had with Shaq, the 2001, yeah. 2000, 2003. Uh, and that's kind of how I fell in love with basketball was through the Lakers, through Kobe Bryant and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, watching the Kobe and Duncan years from that lens as a middle schooler and just kind of the, the grinding games, the playoff matches they had, these, these legendary kind of battles between the two teams there and then um i fell in love with the spurs about the same time i fell in love with my wife when i moved mm-hmm. here uh, and that was her favorite team as a lifelong san antonian and duncan fan and then going back and watching it from that lens as well mm-hmm. and, and looking at it and just the the mutual respectable i hate to use the word hatred yeah. but these these fan bases they they know like you were saying uh, and both and kobe and duncan have mentioned this too like if, if the Spurs didn't have those Lakers, they might have won seven championships. Mm-hmm. And if the Lakers didn't have that Spurs, they might have won a handful of championships as well, uh, more than they did. Uh, so it's just, it's it's been remarkable, uh, so moving to go back and kind of revisit all these memories that we have. Um, do you have a favorite Kobe Bryant moment? <sighs> it's a good, you know, it's funny. Um, 
I have a workout shirt that I've had probably from middle school. Uh, my favorite number growing up was eight. Uh, my mm-hmm. brother wore eight. My brother wore eight for Cal Ripken Jr. I wore eight for my brother. But uh, my mom, because she knows I loved eight, I, she would buy gear that has eight. So still to this day, I work out in a Kobe Bryant eight number, which, I mean, he switched numbers too. So it shows you how long yeah. I've had that dang thing. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I, I still think the, man, the number one memory – and it's the freshest on my mind is just his final game. Yeah. Just because you don't get send-offs like that. Like, I mean, it, like, really, like, raises the hair on your skin. because that, And that's what it was like watching that game. Yeah. I remember watching that game and just being like, this is nuts. And he, he took 50 shots. Who cares? Uh, they, like, again, going back to Rasil talking to Mike Tarico, who did that game. You know, he didn't have strong games yeah. leading up to that contest. And Tariko even said to think that he was going to get 30, 40, 50. I mean, that wasn't an idea. They, they thought he was going to go out there, get 20 or so, pull him out early, get the, the crowd and do whatever. And just, again, the mama mentality sort of deal is when he got out there, just lights were on, missed a few shots early, and then just, I mean, it just started lighting it up. And it's like, holy crap, what are we watching right yeah. now? Like, what is going on? And it wasn't a good team, but just this moment. L.A.'s crazy over this game. And, again, you have to remember the Lakers fans, are they are a tough bunch. Yeah. It is not easy to be an endearing character in the Los Angeles Lakers family when you're not doing well. Uh, I mean, even LeBron. Like, yeah. when LeBron came to L.A., it was always, we don't want you, you're not Kobe. Like, that's really what it came down to. Uh, it, just a little digression as I have this thought, though. <laughs> but when LeBron came to L.A., I know that he came for sort of his next chapter. But I think when you talk about things happening for a reason, there is no player in the NBA more positioned than LeBron James to handle what he has to handle right now to try to help the city, the organization through this grieving process. The story coming out about the Lakers having its first meeting, they all come together. Uh, Frank Vogel says, who wants to talk first? There's 15 seconds of silence. And then LeBron James gets up and says, I'll do it. And has a line, something along the effects of, God gave me broad shoulders for a reason. And I think what's about to happen, um, like this is going to be the way that the Lakers nation just brings LeBron, like this big old bear hug. And LeBron's going to help them. And LeBron's here to provide them something, uh, just to help. And uh, I don't know what's about to happen during this season. But if the Lakers go on to win it, it's just going to be this incredibly emotional story that I don't even know. Again, movies, you talk about it, just like scripting this all out yeah. is just nuts. Um, yeah, Hollywood's best screenwriters couldn't write an ending like that. And there, I mean, you're right. There's a pretty good chance that one of these L.A. teams, probably the Lakers, mm-hmm. I think, as we're looking at it now, is going to play in the finals. You know, yeah. if, if we're jumping that far ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, 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 it's like you said, we were talking about kind of the, the chilling moments here. Mm-hmm. This is one of those things, as you're describing it. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking yeah, about yeah. just how this could play out. Uh, and, and you're right. LeBron is the – couldn't it be – there couldn't be a better player in a better place mm-hmm. for this time. Yeah. So it's really – I mean, the fact that we have LeBron in the game still playing at such an – an MVP-type level, yeah. honestly, on the team, 
where Kobe played so long, it just it helps. Yeah. It does help the grieving process, at least for that city, because you know that city is defined by its sports teams, especially the Lakers. Yeah. I mean, that is their team. So um, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens on Friday night. Yeah. Portland comes to town, which I imagine is just going to be a ball of emotions in that building. And the, the second home game for the Lakers are the Spurs. Yeah. So the San Antonio and DeMar DeRozan is going to come home too. Not only is DeMar DeRozan going to come home, which you know I know him playing in L.A. is always he kind of gets into another gear because he's home. Yeah. But at least DeMar gets to go home. But he's also going to have to face all these emotions. Every NBA player that visits – LA is going to have that feeling stepping in that building. Yeah. So there's a whole another emotional chunk that everyone's going to have to go through. Um, but yeah, sort of going off on a tangent, but that, that last game, I mean, we could talk about 81. We could talk about all the championships yeah. and, and the moves and uh, just, uh, I mean, I, I, there was also just hearing some of the stories, Lou Williams and, and Nick Young had a, a funny exchange on Twitter <laughs> and they were saying like after one game, you know, towards the end of Kobe's career, the players stunk and the team yeah. stunk. And uh, Kobe, after one game, takes all the the Kobe sneakers and throws them in the trash and just says, you're all too soft to wear them. You know, <laughs> you don't deserve them. And you even go back to that season. I remember reports about him saying, you, you know, you're softer than, than two-ply and, like, just challenging every. Like, he just couldn't stand that yeah. team stunk. And, like, he – like he, and um, an- another thing was, like, always hit, you know, Phil Jackson um, – was always so frustrated because, uh, you know, his 10, this also coming from Mike Tirico, by the way, and, and also Phil Jackson's book, uh, his 10 just was so unattainable to anybody else. Yeah. And that's like, it's always, it's always crazy when you're given God-given talents. Kobe was a God-given, gifted NBA player. You know, you were born with that talent in you. But when you also work as hard as you do, like you're the worst person in the league, you reach exceptional levels. And that is sort of just the things you have to, like, that's always mind-boggling is is coupling just this insane athlete with this insane work ethic and looking it all come to fruition on the court. Yeah. Uh, to wrap up here, this Kobe conversation, there's a movement, uh, a petition online, a lot of people tweeting about it, changing the NBA logo mm-hmm. to Kobe Bryant's silhouette. I just want to know your thoughts on that. Yeah, it's kind of tough. Uh, I saw a statement that said, you know, the NBA shouldn't really be represented by one. It should be represented by all. Yeah. And even though we all know it's Jerry West, the NBA denies it, but it's Jerry West. So I, I don't know how much I believe in that. I think it would be a logistical nightmare for the NBA yeah. with trademarks and licensing and changing the logo and all that stuff. Uh, so I, I don't know the logistics going into that. I think yeah. it's much easier said uh, for for people out there signing the petitions than done yeah. in reality. Um, if there is, uh, I, I don't know if changing the NBA logo is necessarily the right move. It could be. I haven't really determined what the NBA should do as the right um, tribute. Yeah. You know, I don't know if that's re- retiring the number league wide. But then you know, you think about the ones who have done that. You know, I mean, Jackie Robinson of baseball. I mean, why the MLB does that is sort of. You know, I mean, think about the grand, you know, the grand scope of that. Um, You know, this isn't the the first time that an untimely death has happened to a a major athlete. Um, To my memory, it's one of the the most, the the biggest athletes, though. So it's really tough. Um, 
I don't I don't know where I stand on yeah. the NBA silhouette. I'm still kind of on the fence on it. I I, I don't I don't know. Yeah. I'm not willing to say it's it's a bad idea or right idea. I just would like us to kind of do a little bit more brainstorming and think about whether uh, retiring a number is the right move like the Mavericks did and Mark Cuban uh, and what they're going to do, if that's the right call, if, if there's something that um, we can implement in arenas, or, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah just you know if you have any ideas i'd love to hear them but yeah i just you know i think we're in the brainstorming process and i want to hear a, a bunch more before i sort of land on like that is it yeah i, I mean I, I think you were hitting the nail on the head there when you're talking about this league is bigger than one person mm-hmm. i know the legacy that kobe has we're seeing now as the outpouring continues mm-hmm. um but i mean it, it's 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 a fundamentally weird to think when you see that logo oh yeah that's kobe bryant that logo i mean mm-hmm. he, he didn't define the league uh he had an insane legacy an amazing legacy here um but yeah the league and that logo and the silhouette mm-hmm. um shouldn't be representative of a person i know yeah. they had to base it off a person in the, in the beginning here um and, and i know jerry west has even spoken to the fact that he hates being considered the logo yeah, you yeah. Know? um so that's not the, i don't think that's the right tribute for mm-hmm. kobe what is the right tribute remains to be seen mm-hmm. as we move forward here uh, and the spurs are going to have to move forward as well mm-hmm. looking ahead for the for the week here for the Spurs. You got the Rodeo Road Trip uh, begins February 3rd, just right around the corner. We saw a lot of problems with the, the bumps in the road last year on the Rodeo Road Trip. Forecasting ahead looks like we're going to see the same thing this year. Yeah. Uh, look, you got to beat the Hornets at home. That is a must. The next couple days are really important. San Antonio is not going to get a long break until the All-Star break. So yeah. they got back-to-back days off. Enjoy it while you can because you're about to go every other day or back-to-backs now against really good teams. Uh, and it's going to be a grind. You're going to have to play the Lakers, the Clippers, the Jazz, the Blazers. Uh, the, even the Kings are that young athletic team that they yeah. struggled with so much last year of moving with pace. And again, if you don't have LaMarcus Aldridge, I'm very, very concerned. The trade deadline is a week away. I do not know what the Spurs are going to do. If I had to bet, I imagine they don't do a thing. And if they do do a thing, it's very small. Like, I don't know if they couple Damari Carroll with a second-round pick and say, hey, can you take this off our hands sort of deal. Uh, Outside of a little move like that, I don't see them trading Damar. More and more, I'm coming to this idea of trying to get an extension done. I'm sure... DeMar wants to opt out and see his options. So I don't think an extension would work right now. But I think if you can extend him now, have the contract, he would, next year would then be locked in because yeah. he would opt in. And then you would get maybe like another two years or so. And then make maybe the, the fourth year an option year and just kind of push that back another two. And then also I would reach out to LaMarcus and have the contract structured the same way and keep them together and just say we're – we got this thing. We're going to try to build around these two because uh, I, I don't know what the Spurs are going to do to get better than DeMar. Like, DeMar is really elite offensively. Yeah, DeMar and LaMarcus aren't the problems, mm-hmm. you know, and I think if you can, yeah. can build around them, yeah. Yeah, I think you're alluding to it is, is I don't know if they're the problems. It's just the ancillary pieces, yeah, right? Exactly. When you have DeMar playing in a lineup with Bryn, that means that DeMar needs to be a better defender than he is meant to be. If yeah. you, I, I don't know, I'm just throwing out a name like Robert Covington. 
if you have Robert Covington in that lineup or something, then DeMar now with Lamar. I mean, LaMarcus is still a positive player, by the yeah. way. I mean, he's low on it, but he's still a defensively positive player. So with LaMarcus, DeJounte, like if you had Covington. I mean, now DeMar is the fourth worst defender on the court. So, um, you know, they just the one, the Spurs went kind of all in on one way players, and now I think they have to regroup, figure out, you know, Brian Wright. I mean, this is going to be his first task, really, as GM. How do I build around all these talents? And uh, I think you got to purge yourself of Bryn and Marco. Yeah. You got to find a three point shooter who can play. You got to find a three and D. They miss. They missed the Bruce Bowen. They missed the Danny Green. Yeah. They, you know, they they need the three and D. That like that is the number one thing. This team is missing a three and D guy. Yeah. Because it, you need Bryn Forbes's hypothetical shooting with someone who can run back and and actually play some dang defense. Because right, I. I I just can't watch Bryn defensively. He's a G leaguer out there defensively. He is. They need to find a mad scientist out there who can figure out a way to put Bryn Forbes' offense mm-hmm. and Derek White's defense together into yeah. one amalgamation of a player. I know. <laughs> and just need Derek to be more aggressive because yeah. he can shoot. He just gets in these modes where he's like, I'm going to be a distributor. And I mean, Derek is a phenomenal three point shooter. Yeah. Like, he has it in him. He just doesn't like to shoot at volume. Yeah. So I think they still are trying to unlock Derek there in that role. They still are not going with Derek and DeJounte lineups, and maybe if you can build defensively around the unit, then maybe you wouldn't have to stagger them for that sort of reason. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that the more and more I think about it, I'm kind of coming around to the idea of, of keeping DeMar and Lamarcus for at least three to four more years, and that's including the opt-in for both LaMarcus and uh, – well, LaMarcus is guaranteed next year, yeah. but DeMar in the opt-in. So essentially it would be next year and then maybe like three more years after that with that fourth year being optional for both players. Yeah. Um, you got to let it ride or die with these guys I think is the way to go. And I don't know what the other uh, – like do you have an idea of what it would look like without them? Like what would, what would you think – how can you spin it to where you say, okay, we're going to let DeMar go, we're going to have – tons of money now that's 27 million off the books what are you doing with that money i mean the free agency pool is is pretty shallow next year we've talked about demar Derozan's going to be the best guy available next year so you're not going to add anyone better than him next year Mm -hmm. so you gotta look two years down the road is san antonio a small market team going to be a guy who brings in a superstar because in this league it's superstars who are going to propel you to 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 better things Uh, and at the same time in that two-year span are these young pieces that you've built around are they going to be ready to play with someone like that um, I, I mean, for me, the options without DeMar and LaMarcus or one or the other, if you pick one, just keeping them, uh, they're, they're worse out there. Then the team gets worse before they ever get better. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a chance if you keep both of them and you find an answer at the two guard or you find a guy who can play that for, I don't think they ever meant Trey Lyles to be their starter for 80 games a season. Yeah, I, um, Trey Lyles is a guy, by the way, I think he just might go next i appreciate dre lyles and everything he does but if you're just looking for a rebounder you can build metu to be just a rebounder yeah. or maybe you slide Pirtle in and you go back to the the, the playing the big that's, bruiser line yeah that's actually the first thing is you got to yeah. resign Pirtle. that's i mean you got to get Pirtle back pertle has got to be figured out because he's a, an important defensive element but yeah I, so i i totally hear you you know i think uh in the offseason, I would really like Davis to come back. Yeah. I think having Davis and that three-point shooting, especially at his lane. But again, with Davis, you don't get great defense. Yeah. So that's, I mean, you got to know that. I, I, That's part of the deal. Yeah. But, um, 
and that's the thing is is Davis can't really play the. I mean, he'll space the floor. He'll be he would be great in this offense, Bertans, if you had him in over Lyles. But yeah. defensively, it would be a mess. He wouldn't get nearly those rebounds that Lyle does. So yeah. you you got to always juggle. What can you do? What can you what can you take away? What can you get? Um, and I've I mentioned this before. I think you look for replacements of Demar. Like who's going to replace that scoring? And you know, I would say that Keldon is built to score like DeMar, but he can't distribute like DeMar, which is what he does so well in that offense. Yeah. Uh, and he he just can't – He, I mean, he's pretty much DeMar. He can't shoot threes. Yeah. Like, Keldon would be the perfect answer for the 3 and D if he can just shoot threes. Just step back and, and hit a few of them. Yeah. Uh, I think we're both on the same page, though, that there isn't an answer at the trade deadline here. Yeah. There might be small moves. Mm-hmm. You're not going to find the answer for the big question. Mm-hmm. Um, a big question that is, is looming that we're going to have an answer for here pretty soon is, is the, are the Spurs going to have an all-star? Um, it's trending towards no. Yeah, which is going to be unfortunate. I mean, part about being in a small market is you're not going to get the love and respect that you probably deserve. And DeMar's 20-game horrid stretch here is just getting overlooked by other names yeah i understand that there are some really talented guys out there and a spurs record does not help him yeah a lot a lot of these things in the all-star game come down to how much are you helping teams and if you're not helping your own team are you uh, a transcendent talent like damian lillard who yeah. is just having a bonkers ear so i i can give you a million reasons why demar should make it i can give you a ton of reasons why he shouldn't. Luka Doncic just got injured in practice today. Possibility he won't play in the All-Star game. That could clear a 13th spot Sneak for somebody. Reserve, he yeah. could be um, one of those guys that backs his way in. Um, I'm seeing Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook has has had a really strong 10 games. Like Lately, yeah. he has played really well. And I give him total credit for that. But he's still such... His, his stats are so empty. And it's like... If we're judging teams by their ceilings, the ra- the Rockets are nowhere near the ceiling they should be at. They're they're worse than last year. Like we yeah. have to recognize that. So, are we just looking at the records? Or are we looking at where we projected these teams to be? So, I don't know. I don't. I think it's if you're going to say that well, the Spurs don't have a good record. I'm going to say well, the Rockets are not nearly as good as the team as we thought they should be with Harden and Russ. So like yeah. we're going to reward that with both of those guys. Like Russ is just getting I like if you want to put in Brandon Ingram and Russ doesn't make it, I get it. Yeah. You want to put in SGA, totally hear you too. But I like if Russ gets in, I'm going to be pissed. I'm going to be pissed. He doesn't deserve it. It'd be all completely on right name recognition alone. Um yeah. you're you're exa- I mean it's it's clear when you look at the Rockets, there was one major swap. Mm-hmm. Uh but Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook. And that team is worse. Yeah. And it's got to come down on us. And, and there, people so. are now toting Ja Morant. Yeah. And I love Ja. I don't think the stats are necessarily there for Ja to get in. But people are saying, well, there should be a Grizz in the game because look yeah. at them surging. And I get off, it. Yeah. I totally get it. And and I just don't think he's necessarily an all-star yet. I think he's a perennial all-star to be. I am not throwing any shade to Ja Morant. I'm just saying this year, I just – I don't know. I, I just – you look at the numbers, it's just... And John Moran actually has had a, a pretty good field goal percentage. It, I, I want to give him credit for that, because uh, actually, just to throw the tidbit out there while I looked at it before the show, uh, five guards in the Western Conference are shooting above 48%. Morant is one of them. Uh, DeMar, yeah. Devin Booker. I'm blanking on the other one. But um, DeJounte Murray. 
is on that list as well. An impressive run by DeJounte and by DeMar there. And, um, yeah, I think Ja's the guy that's on the cusp there. Mm-hmm. I, I think I'd put DeMar over him. That's because I watch more Spurs games than most people are. But, yeah, yeah I mean, and the numbers I, back I have DeMar, I have DeMar over Ja. I do. Regardless of who makes the All-Star game, whether or not there's a spur in it or not, we'll have that news for you on Kins5.com and on the Kins5 mm-hmm. app. On the TV side, Evan and Joe mm-hmm. and Vinny are covering all your Spurs news as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be back next week. We'll be a little bit more big fun next week. Uh, mm-hmm. This is a little bit of uh, an episode in which we had to be more reflective and, yeah. and, and look back here on the Kobe Bryant uh, news that broke. Uh, so be sure to follow us. Uh, wherever you listen to your podcasts, and we're on YouTube now as well. Uh, if you're watching this video on YouTube, be sure to hit that so, subscribe button. Follow along with the playlist. We got past episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Evans does some great breakdowns mm-hmm. uh, statistically. Uh, mm-hmm. Just every weekend on Sundays, you, you mm-hmm. kind of open up. You, you go hard in the paint, there, uh, bringing it <laughs> as, every week. As the there. kids might say, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so follow along for all that information, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Yeah, appreciate it.